Hello and welcome to the Power Switch, gaming's call-in talk radio show. My name is Peter Spasia, and today is January 18th, 2017. This is the fifth episode of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We use Discord as a means to add and drop callers to talk about video games and switch the power that's found in a typical gaming podcast. You can join our server to participate during recordings at rhymeswithasia.com call. I am happy to confirm that you can now subscribe to the Power Switch on podcast services such as iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And if you could be so kind as to leave a review, that would really help as well. Now, if you're new to the show, we're hoping to have these podcasts happen at least every weekend, but also during certain weekdays, generally lining up with the evenings of when big game news breaks. Now, first, I'll open the show with about 10 minutes of conversation about the show's main topic. Then, after a small commercial break, we'll set up callers to join the show to either discuss the show's main topic or bring up any gaming question of their own choosing. Once that's run its course, I'll end the show with a fun segment and we'll call it a day, hopefully in about an hour's time. Now, if that sounds like your kind of podcast, let's get right into it. I'd like to discuss our gaming resolutions for 2017. Now, what do I mean by gaming resolutions? I would say that these are games that you are going to commit to trying to beat in the calendar year. I mean, at least give it an honest try. You know, it's fine if something you know really doesn't stick with you or anything like that, but at least you gave it that effort. And usually these are games that, you know, it's meant to weed out the backlog as a goal to tackle specific games, but it's also more of kind of a way to tackle games that have just, you know, totally passed you by, like they're in your blind spot in a way. They're like, how have I never played this game before? Like this is a way to say, I'm going to commit to playing this game this year. I'm going to try to beat it because this game deserves my attention. So I think it's important to focus on games that you weren't just going to play anyway. So for example, I can't wait for Persona 5. I've pre-ordered that game. I cannot wait to play it. As part of my gaming resolutions for 2017, I'm not going to say, yeah, I'm going to beat Persona 5. I mean, I'm going to do that anyway. So this is more just games that you're not going to normally play, but you're making that extra effort to commit to playing. So if that makes sense, I have five gaming resolutions for 2017 that I'm going to commit to. At number five, it's Doom, uh, last year's release, 2016. Uh, not necessarily just, you know, the old school, but, you know, Doom 2016 passed me by. Uh, you know, it's up there with the different games of the year, all the different honorifics that, you know, games got during this past year in 2016. And yeah, it just passed me by. I was waiting for a good PC to run that game. And yeah, I'm going to play it. And that's, that's one I, I really want to get to. So I'm looking forward to that for sure. At number four, The Legend of Heroes Trails in the Sky. This is a JRPG that I keep hearing very good things about. And even Kotaku goes to praise it that it's one of the best JRPGs of the last 10 years. And, you know, that's really saying something. But it's a very niche series. And I like JRPGs. And this first one, Trails in the Sky, you know, has come down in price, certainly. So I think this is one I really should, you know, pay attention to, but it's one of these meaty, long, you know, many hour games, so I, I gotta brace myself for that at least. Number three, Super Mario Sunshine, uh, one that I skipped. I mean, you know, the GameCube was my first console that I owned. It's it's a weird history. Maybe I'll regale you with the story sometime, but you know, Super Mario Sunshine was one I never really got to on GameCube, and this may be a way of playing it if it does come out in a GameCube virtual console sort of style on Nintendo Switch, or I could, you know, find a GameCube version of the game, or, you know, there are other means of playing it, but I think this is one I, I really need to get to after, you know, playing Mario 64 and then the Galaxy games, like, there's that game right in between, and say what you will about Sunshine, but I think it's worthy of being played. Number two, Mega Man 2. It's a huge blind spot in my gaming history is the NES, the classics, that, you know, kind of difficulty and, you know, Mega Man 2, I think, captures that really well. Uh, Mega Man games, like, I've never really tried for the point of, like, sticking with it. Like, I always just get, you know, frustrated at the, at the slightest thing and stop. But I really should put an effort into trying it. And, you know, the easiest difficulty from the North American version of Mega Man 2, probably the best place to start to try to understand Mega Man games. And, like, it's, it's a huge blind spot uh, in my gaming history. And I really should get to that. Mega Man 2. But number one... The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. 
Uh, I have a history with this game where I get so far and I usually a couple dungeons in and it, it's that worm boss that, that really just gets with me. But I really like playing the game up until then. And I, I hit a stopping point a couple of years back when I was trying to trying to play it and just never got back to it. And I really got to focus myself and kind of dedicate to playing it, especially with Breath of the Wild coming out this year. And it'd be an interesting contrast between the two games, certainly very different games. But out of all the Zelda games I've played, it, you know, the Link to the Past is... That's a big shocker that like I've never gotten even close to beating it. So let's recap them. Number five, Doom 2016. Number four, The Legend of Heroes, Trails in the Sky. Number three, Super Mario Sunshine. Number two, Mega Man 2. And number one, The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. So maybe we'll talk about your gaming resolutions when the callers get to call in here very soon. But I wanted to quickly recap the Fire Emblem Direct that just happened. Uh, literally just coming off right off its heels. And some some interesting news announcements that we were expecting going into it. Saying, oh, well, Fire Emblem Warriors was mentioned during the Switch event. So maybe we'll touch a little bit on that again. Uh, the Fire Emblem Mobile game is just, it's, it's there. It exists. But we still have to hear about it, especially if it's going to come out by the end of March. So that needs to be talked about. And hey, you know, if there's any extra game announcements, you know, that'll be just, you know, icing on the cake. And we should really have that Corrin Amiibo talked about too, you know, for Smash Brothers. So I'll start off surprisingly with Fire Emblem Echoes, Shadows of Valentia which is essentially, it's a remake, but an enhanced remake of Fire Emblem 2, known as Fire Emblem Gaiden. Uh, it was a Japan-only release for the NES in 1992. Apparently, it was a game that was unique for its free-roaming dungeons and flexible character progression. Now, this is like going way back, so I'm not the biggest Fire Emblem fan, but you know, it must have been interesting watching that Fire Emblem Direct for those that are big fans, too. Notice these characters of Alm and Celica, they're the protagonists, and they're actually getting their own amiibo pack for the game's release. But to see these characters, like, is, is that Alm? Is is that oh, is this what's happening? And you know, it didn't really click to me. It has, you know, Fire Emblem 2, like, that's that's way back. I mean, what was Fates? It was just 14. So there have been a lot of games in, in that series for sure. Uh, this is a May 19th, 2017 release for 3DS. So really surprising that 3DS has a turnaround just so quickly for Fire Emblem after February 2016 in North America for Fates. Now May 19th, 2017 on 3DS. I was almost hoping at the same time they'd just be like, say, and Nintendo Switch. Like you should be thinking with Nintendo Switch also in mind, but you know, it's it's still in that transition. So we'll, we'll wait it out here. Now, of course, then they do mention Nintendo Switch, but bringing up a new Fire Emblem game for Nintendo Switch in 2018, making mention that it's the first for the home console since Radiant Dawn in 2007. So it's, it's really been a long time. Um, you know, no title, no details or anything like that, but good to know that they're at least committing to something. And that's, you know, that's the perfect way. And they said, of course, you can play it on the go. That's the power of Nintendo Switch. Ha ha ha. Uh, you know, that makes sense, of course. Fire Emblem Warriors, yes, we did see a little bit of new footage showing Krom, and you know that, that is definitely the theme of this whole conference as well, is definitely a, an emphasis on the 3DS game characters with Awakening and Fates and all the characters associated with that. So yes, some gameplay with Krom, it looked pretty good, uh, you know, the YouTube compression certainly didn't help, so it'd be nice to see that like really in motion, or at least, you know, very high quality. But uh, also interesting to note that the game will be coming out for the new 3DS, both versions coming fall 2017. So good to see some committing to that as well. But of course, yes, the big story, Fire Emblem Heroes, the mobile game for Fire Emblem. And it's really the perfect sort of way that you could represent Fire Emblem on mobile. It's very representative of what Japanese mobile games are really into right now with this gacha style where it's free to play, but the microtransactions come in form of summoning heroes for your party. And it's the collectible hero sort of style of play. But yes, the overall gameplay is still very strategy-based. And with these sort of gotcha microtransactions, you can select the type of hero that you want. So that's good. It's not, you know, totally random. It's But it's still, it's a loot box in a way style. So maybe Overwatch fans are similar to that sort of thing. If, you know, these kind of mobile games aren't your thing, maybe that's a kind of parallel. I don't know. And you can select the type of hero that you want, but the rarity is random. It's nice that the summon cost decreases over time when you keep summoning these heroes. And the nice thing, of course, the heroes don't disappear 
They're not gone when they are killed. The The permadeath doesn't really exist here, and that makes sense. I mean, some people be like, oh, that's not my Fire Emblem. But if you think about it, when you're spending money on the microtransactions, you don't want that to disappear. So I'm okay with that, really. Fire Emblem Heroes comes out on February 2nd on Google Play, so it looks like Android gets the exclusive bump for a little bit, You know, especially with Super Mario Run and the Apple partnership there. It says soon on iOS, so they didn't mention price. I think they could have stressed that it's free to play a little bit more, especially when DNA last year said that both the Fire Emblem and Animal Crossing games would be free to play, and that definitely makes sense for this sort of style of play. But yeah, it's really the perfect adaptation of what Fire Emblem is on mobile. And it should do really well in Japan because those types of games are very big there. But I'll be interested to see if the mass market brand recognition is of any relevance here in the USA. And, you know, that'll be something interesting to see. Of course, Nintendo fans are going to be, you know, eager to pick it up. But will it appeal, you know, outside of just the Nintendo fan base? That'll be something to keep an eye on. Anyway, that's all I have to say, really, for the main topic here. When we come back, we'll get to the callers. Now, what do you think about what I have to say? What are your gaming resolutions for 2017? What are these games that have been in your blind spot and they've just passed you by, but you should really dedicate yourself to try to play them and maybe beat them this year? I'd love to hear your thoughts. But you can also bring up whatever gaming topic you like to discuss. Do you have any certain thoughts on the Fire Emblem Direct, perhaps, or anything else? And don't forget, of course, you can also reply to what another caller had to say, too. That's all when we come back from the break here on The Power Switch. Welcome back to the Power Switch. Let's get to your calls and maybe we'll hear about your gaming resolutions for 2017. Yvonne from Illinois, welcome back to the Power Switch. Hello, how are you? Hey, good to hear you again. What's up? I'm good. So as you saw, I have a lot, like a big backlog. I'm probably just going to list a few and then, you know, we can get into whatever clicks with both of us or, you know, whatever you have opinions on. And Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I have... For PS4, <laughs> I got Doom, Bloodborne, Ratchet and Clank, and those are like the three. I have Uncharted 4, then I have to play Uncharted 1, 2, and 3, and the trilogies on PS2, which that leads to PS2, which I have the Uncharted series, and then I have Sly Cooper, Kingdom Hearts, Tales of Symphonia, so many titles. Infamous, I got Infamous back, and then Xbox One. Well, let's, let's start. Let's start with the PS4 first, because there okay, are definitely I'm sorry. I'm just no get down, like, no problem. Like, like, I think there's definitely a lot of games there that are worth playing. Yeah, uh, I think we've had DQP on the show, and like he, one of his resolutions for this year is to to go through the Uncharted series. I think that's a really good idea. And I think if you yeah. don't have the trilogy on PS4, the Uncharted collection, the Nathan Drake collection, I'd say that's probably the best way to go about playing those yeah, first I have three the games. First three on PS2, all of them. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's probably the best way to play them. Four is is great. Uh, I played Ratchet and Clank last year. I really enjoyed it, uh, but it got to the end where you know I felt old playing the game because the way you have to control like during the final boss, like my hands started cramping up, and it's just like man, I'm. I feel like I'm getting old <laughs> to play games. I have with her, to but ask. It, I was going to ask Alex about it, but I. Mm. Didn't want to, uh, Alex O'Neill. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I heard it's actually funny because that's how I got introduced to this show, is because um, he mentioned that he was doing a podcast recording and mentioned how like you um, basically inspired him to do one of his shows. So I checked you out, and yeah. Oh, that's that's really cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Alex has yet to post his uh, game of the year. Irrational Passions is Alex O'Neill's podcast. Definitely should go check it out if you have not already. Uh, to the the listeners at large. Uh, but I was part of his game of the year, sort of top 10 favorite games of 2016 discussion. I was kind of near the back end of his recording, so I'm, I'm still yet in the rollout. But uh, as far as my favorite games of the year, uh, you know, I mentioned the, the top five here on this show, but I can quickly run through six through 10 uh, with what they yeah. were. And of course, I go in more detail there. I, I had number 10 as Audio Shield, which is a VR game. Uh, number nine, Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE. It's, it's always the worst title to say. I don't know why they did that, but that's the Wii U Shin Megami Tensei Fire Emblem JRPG. Number eight, Zero Time Dilemma from the Zero Escape series. Uh, number seven, Jackbox Party Pack 3. 
And uh, number six, Batman Telltale Series. Uh, otherwise, the top five, Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, Spirit of Justice, Inside, Pokemon Sun and Moon, Final Fantasy XV, and Uncharted 4, A Thief's End. So, yeah, I mean, I, I did enjoy a lot of games last year, but there are certainly ones left off the list. But, uh, yeah, if you want to hear that discussion, maybe by the time this is out, I'll be out on uh, Irrational Passions as uh, top 10 yeah, I will in 2016. Say, Telltale Batman was great. It was really it's good. Pretty good. Yeah, it was very not very as good, good as Arkham. I don't think anything Batman will ever live up to the Arkham trilogy. And I may sound like an Arkham fanboy, but I just think that's really hard to top. I would it's, love yeah. to see how what they do with Superman. Yeah, yeah, that would be really interesting. I do wonder what Rocksteady's next big project will be. You know, PSVR aside, uh, it'll be tough because yeah, you really got that feeling of being the Batman and you know controlling the combat that was you know. Yeah. So revolutionary at the time, uh, but yeah, it'll be tough to beat the Arkham games. That's what I, I was really yeah. say. Speaking of Arkham, that's another thing in the backlog. I've played all three, beaten the story mode, but not all the side missions. And if I were to rank him, I'd rank him like City Asylum, like from best to like least best. They're all great games. Though. Yeah, um, yeah. That's why I want a hundred percent it, and um, I want to try at least get all the trophies, the regular trophies. I'm probably gonna go nuts. But it's a game I really enjoyed, and I, and I haven't played in a while. And on top of that, then I just realized I'm midway through the story, and I'm like, crap, I didn't download the Catwoman deal. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh, that's a, that's a relic from a time oh, when God. that was, you know, what, like the season or the the online yeah. pass, essentially, equivalent. That was, that's They just uh, should have included yeah. it. It's just bizarre. And same thing with Arkham Knight with the DLC. Not to get to it, that's a whole other subject, but they should have included the Season of Infamy stuff. What was that? Should have Oh, been. yeah, yeah, for sure. I, was, I didn't even <laughs> play it because I wanted to, but I refused to get it, even though I already supported them, but I got no internet. And then after I learned what we got anyways, it was kind of felt stupid that I even bought it because it was just tracks and, and it, all the DLC was really short, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really overall liked Arkham Knight, but yeah, just way too much, uh, Batmobile stuff. Car. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. The driving's the t- fine. Yeah. It's the, the Firefly site missions and the Riddler stuff does well with that. But, the the tanks, God, yeah, the Cobra oh tanks God. were nonsense, especially when they're throwing seven at you, and it's like, good luck. That was so stupid. Yeah, yeah. So Great sorry. games, though. Great games, though, for sure. Oh, um, yeah. as, as far as yeah. your your backlog goes, though, I mean, yeah, a lot of great ones. Sly Cooper, uh, a fantastic Sly series. I really liked I Thieves have, in Time. Yeah, I have the HD collection. I actually, I beat Thieves in t- not Thieves in Time. What was the first one? Thieves uh, Raccoon. Thieves Raccoon, yeah. Mm-hmm. I beat that. Such a fun game. I'm on the second one and i think i'm on like the second world of i think his name's rojan he's like the tiger yes, yes. um spike stealing guy or whatever so i have to play two i'm really looking forward to playing three because three sounds really fun from what i've heard about the bosses and the worlds and stuff yeah they really just kept getting better uh for those first three and it was a really fun adaptation uh for for thieves in time uh number four it, it, it ends on a cliffhanger, and so a lot of Sly Cooper fans are really waiting on yeah. five, and so every E3 rolls around. I was E3 ask that question about, with Thieves in Time, number one, is that worth getting, you think? Yeah, After yeah, I think so. It's pretty good, you think? Or I, I, think it was, okay. I think it was worth getting, especially if you really like the Sly Cooper gameplay. Like, it's it's more of the same, and you know, it has, it has a nice sort of you know gameplay flow to it. Because the other thing I was going to say is, as we know, Sucker Punch, they haven't announced what they're working on yet. So, hey, maybe it's a PS4 Sly Cooper. Who knows? Probably not. I, I really don't think it is. I don't want to you know, get up yeah. uh, the hypes of Sly cool. Cooper fans. But... See what it looks on PS4, but yeah, probably not. Might not be the, I wouldn't say not the smartest move. Like I said, we'll, we'll see. That'll be for E3 predictions. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I mean, Sanzar yeah. did a really great job, though, with Thieves in Time. So yeah, I mean, lots of great games. I mean, I'm not one for the Souls type of games, but you know, people love Bloodborne. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's Bloodborne, still a, it's still a great game. I like that game because that's another part of my gaming resolutions is being a more patient gamer. Because as you know, I have a bad attention span. I've mentioned I don't play a lot of games. I like to look at the behind the scenes games or hear people's opinions. But I feel like I don't play as much games, and that bugs me a lot because I like the industry, what goes on, and you know. What of course, what doesn't go on makes that's that's bad is interesting conversation too. Mm-hmm, yeah, but uh, it's like paying attention to it. But I feel like I don't pay attention as much to the games themselves, and that really bothers me. So I want to you know change that as uh, soon as possible. I've gotten better at that. But Bloodborne, 
what I like about that and Mega Man, because you mentioned Mega Man 2. I'm actually, I have Mega Man 9. Okay, yeah. Yep. PS3 and 10. And I remember when I first played Mega Man, I'm like, this game is so hard. I'm never going to play this again. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try playing this. But I got in some mindset where I'm like, maybe I don't have to enjoy the games from being good at them from that standpoint, but learning these games is fun. And sure enough, I progressed a bit further and I realized the biggest part is Mega Man. That's the problem. And I think once it's, you know, taken care of and you understand it more, that's the jumps. Mm-hmm. Getting hit, hit isn't as bad as when you jump and make a miscalculated jump and you fall into spikes. It's, it's so frustrating. Right, right. And then uh, with Bloodborne, I just like it because the problem solving of I attacked this enemy this way and it got me killed. Maybe I can use this item or, um, you know, I can lay off on these hits. You know, it's part of it's a big patience um, test, too, because I, when I attack the bosses, I'm like jamming, like spamming the attack button and just going crazy. And then I get poisoned. Yeah, that's that's the way you'll get punished. Out of all the PS4 games, though, I'd say that I'd say it's kind of cheating because of their collections. But I'd say go for the Uncharted collection and the Sly Cooper collection. Those would be yeah. my recommendations. And definitely, I know I definitely need to play Doom because you mentioned that. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's fun. Doom and Ratchet, like I said. Kingdom Hearts. Is Kingdom Hearts uh, a game you ever played before? Oh, gosh. Love love Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Love Kingdom Hearts. The only problem, the beginning, I don't like how the beginning's really slow and I haven't gotten past that. I'm just like, uh, I want to get to all this cool part, but I have to do the beginning and I don't know how long it is and how slow it is. I'll tell you, the first time I played Kingdom Hearts, uh, I got stuck early on, and you know, for the first Kingdom Hearts, you know, the gummy ship, which is I don't know if you've gotten to that part yet, but the way that you transport between the Disney worlds, like it's it's a little rough for the first game. You gotta definitely get past that. It's like original Star Fox, like almost like Super Nintendo, but like in a way worse. But you, you really gotta fight through it because yeah, you get to some some really cool worlds, and it's it's definitely worth it. I think, and two is interesting because two's opening is infamously terrible. It's so long, but two is the better game, I would say. Uh, It's, you know, better gameplay, better worlds, better overall story, but God, it's an infamous opening. It's like three hours long at least and confusing if you haven't played through the, but the gameplay is fun. Uh, If you're a big Disney fan, like they're a must. And then, yeah, if you enjoy those, you really need to get to uh, Birth by Sleep. So, I mean, I don't know which versions you have, but they have the 1.5 and 2.5 coming out for PlayStation 4. Okay. On PS3. And I'm not a, I like Disney and certainly get more of an appreciation for animation as I get older, but I'm not crazy about Disney. It's more because the game just looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Like the art style and stuff. Yeah. It just looks like a fun hack and slash. I, I, yeah. I do like the ideas of hack and slashes when I'm just kind of bored and it also has a story to it, so it's a story, but it's not completely mindless because of that. And then you do the hack and slash, and kind of—I don't know if it's repetitive hack and slash, though. No, but, I, I'd say I'd say it's really fun. You have a, definitely a variety of enemies, and you know it feels good to land those hits. There's a, definitely enough depth to the combat. Uh, it's it's just really fun and engaging, and yeah, it, that the story is definitely one of those that ranks up when you when you talk about most complex canon. Just when you're talking like Metal Gear Solid and uh, Halo might even be just overly complex and convoluted. Say, there's another series. I don't own any. I own two, but I refuse to play two now because I don't have the first Metal Gear. And I yeah. hear the story is really important. Yep. It's, it's pretty important. I, so, I mean, I could just watch a Let's Play of one, yeah, but I could. don't do that much. You could. I and, mean, the first Metal Gear Solid, like it's... I think I would argue it's tough to go back to the PS1. Like if you're used to modern game design, uh, you could get away with Twin Snakes on the GameCube, uh, but that's a little tougher to find. But there's also the the PS3 collection, the, the Metal Gear Legacy collection. So like it's all the games, like the fir- the first four for pretty cheap. So hmm. yeah, I have so many. Tales of Symphonia I hear is really good as well. That's also really fun. Uh, it's it's a different kind of RPG for sure, but. Uh, a lot of people make comparisons to Super Smash Brothers in a way of its combat. It's real-time combat, and you know you have 
your A would be your standard sort of attacks, but uh, your B would almost be like your specials. And so with up, down, left, right, that's how you perform special moves that they call arts. Uh, but otherwise, like A would be your your sort of attack. The Tales games have kind of evolved over the years, but it's it's like a two and a half D sort of battle system. But you cannot like run around the opponent, so it's not it's not totally three D. It's it's this unusual perspective, but you can keep it locked on a two D plane if you really wanted to. But it's good. It's so it's not uh like a because I want to try out turn based stuff, but I'm not as crazy about turn based as I am like real time. Yeah, and Tails is definitely real time. So you you block in real time, you're attacking in real time, and it's not like the fake real time where it's trying to give you the illusion of real time, but it's still strictly numbers based. Like no, it's it's really fun, and you know definitely if you like an idea of a real time RPG, I mean, you know definitely definitely go for Tails. Anything else that's really think... itching on your your backlog that you you think you might want to try to get to this year? I'll try to name. At least three more, because there's a there's a couple, but I don't want to take up the whole time. Hmm. Um, Shantae, I got Shantae Half Genie Hero. Yep. Ducktales remastered. Um, that's supposed to be really good. I've yeah, never s- same developer. Any Way yeah. forward, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then um, I got Sunset Overdrive. Great game. Okay. You know, fun game. Yeah. So point is, I I have a ridiculous amount of uh, games so it sounds like the what you've said is uncharted and then those two rpgs kingdom hearts and tales yeah so and then w sly cooper to too i think that'd be also a way to yeah. go yeah that's the thing so many alternative branches of what to play and what to play after so yeah and, and they're long games too i mean especially when you're talking about you know those collections and whatnot but it's it's and definitely RPGs. worth it yeah rpgs yeah i think a lot of us have uh really long backlogs, but it's a matter of just prioritizing what we want to play, knowing the kind of genre of games that we'd like to play, something that would appeal to us. You know, certainly hearing recommendations from friends always helps, but yeah, yeah. it's also just also, you know, finding the time, you know, as, as we're getting older and finding the time and everything in moderation, of course, but, you know, pacing games out with the, the rest of our priorities in life. But, yeah, you know, to make games a priority to, you know, try to get to, to play games and, you know, to prioritize what games to play. I think that's that's why, you know, the last several years I've done these these gaming resolutions and it, it's something to remind me to go back and see like if I'm just like, oh well there's nothing to play, like something to motivate you to to go and try to to play something. But until then they can find you at punkfan97 on Twitter, right? On Twitter, yeah. Excellent. Well Yvonne, thank you so much for calling in. Really appreciate the time. Yeah, no problem. Bye. Over in Colorado, Zero Ranma, welcome back to the power switch. Yo Hey, what's up? Well, this thing happened like one hour ago. Yeah, it was Fire Emblem Direct. It was oh pretty boy. soon. Yeah, so it was uh, it was interesting. You know, we were kind of hanging out in the Discord channel, which you know could mm-hmm. do, and uh, you know we, we were both in uh, our general chat uh, room, just kind of reacting to the direct as it's happening. So I'm glad you could stick around and we could kind of talk about it a little bit. Yeah, get our proper reaction after like a few minutes of just digesting all that info. Yeah, yeah, there was there was certainly a lot of it. So, what really stuck out to you? All right, well, the first thing that they show is definitely what I consider one of the biggest positive news we could get from that, mm-hmm. which is uh, Fire Emblem Echoes. Yeah, getting a brand new game on 3DS that's only a few months away, and you know, honestly, good yeah. on them for keeping the surprise. I, that's like a big thing in today's yeah. Game world. Like there was literally no clue about about a new Fire Emblem game like this coming out anytime soon, much less, you know, four months from now. In America, too. Yeah, yeah. We don't definitely. have that buffer between, like, six months for, like, Fates. It being a remake probably really helped with that. I'm sure they had people at Intelligent Systems probably working on it, whether it's in the background or, you know, when people are doing you know, localization for Fates, you know, starting that work there. It, it's just, it is a little shocking for such a quick turnaround and not only that but just how big fire emblem has gotten for nintendo uh you know between awakening and fates like it's it's sold so well that now we have three fire emblem games in 2017 it's 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 pretty amazing and you know it's it'll be a a big year for them it's you know kind of growing into a big franchise for sure and i mean i don't know much about fire emblem 2 or or fire emblem Uh, gaiden but neither do i yeah so it's it's out there. It's it's a it's a deep pull. It's a deep cut. Like, 
I'm just hoping it doesn't follow the same veins that Shadow Dragon did, which, let me tell you, that that game was not good. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a little rough. <laughs> but no, it, it should be fun if it's running off of like the same engine as Fates and Awakening. Hopefully they don't, they fix a lot of the problems that Fates had, because while I love that game, it definitely had a lot of issues. Hmm, yeah. Then, you know, we got the Mystery Fire Emblem title for the Switch coming out next year. Yeah, it's, it really is shocking how long it has been since a proper console Fire Emblem game. And it just, it goes to show, I mean, 2007 with Radiant Dawn, I mean, yeah, that, that's, that's crazy. But it'll be coming in 2018, uh, you know, no real details, but good to see that they're committing to something. Yeah, you know, good to see that, no, it's not going to only be mobile. We're working on something for console. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was also good to see more of Fire Emblem Warriors. I mean, you, you got well, Krom. I mean, if, but... you would, if you would call that more. But... <laughs> <laughs> they, they show the, uh, the kind of music style that sort of carries over from Hyrule Warriors, just applied to Fire Emblem, and got Krom. Yeah. Uh, a lot of compression on the YouTube version, so I, I'm looking forward to seeing like a, a clean you know, version of it. Like, I'm genuinely upset that they didn't show off Marth first, if they even will show off Marth. I don't know. Yeah, it's really interesting just to see the marketing of, you know, all the different 3DS characters that it's like, hey, remember these, the ones that most of you have played? Yeah. Yeah. Even I think that's not exactly the smartest strategy there because, you know, Marth is the face of Fire Emblem, so... Yeah, for for most people, uh, I I would think, and uh, going back to even when you first heard of Marth in Melee, so yeah, that that's, that's certainly an argument that can be made. I still think you should every now and then you know, throw throw the long term fans a bone at least. Yeah, but you know whatever. I'm sure we'll get more teaser trailers in the future, like we did for Hyrule Warriors. You know, of course, yeah. Roll out the the character trailers. That that'll be a, a reliable marketing method that Nintendo can do for sure. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the big title that they had for this Direct, because it's the one that's coming out in, like, two weeks, Fire Emblem Heroes. It's good to see the mobile game. It's good to kind of see what the the strategy is going forward. And, you know, if this is what Nintendo mobile games are going to be with their franchises, like, it's it's been a long time coming. I think it's appropriate. Like when they announced that, yeah, Fire Emblem's going to do a mobile project, I'm like, okay, so it's probably going to be like uh the standard gotcha mobile games that everyone seems to do nowadays which is honestly the safest option but they still kept their own special fire emblem twist on it with like yeah no you still play on these like strategic maps yeah i i think it was really well done all things considered they they need to really hit that japanese market where those gotcha games are very big uh yeah you know, the fire emblem brand recognition is certainly bigger over there uh, and you know, especially with the partnership with DNA, a Japanese, another well, another Japanese company, uh, I think that that's a really smart thing to do. Yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see how it does over here for sure. I, I think you know, including all those Fire Emblem characters, still having the battling be, you know, be Fire really, Emblem it's totally Fire Emblem, and I, I think they really approached it the right way. It's it's really well done. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't know. I guess that's about it, really on that end because it was it was only like a 20 minute direct it was pretty short yeah it was pretty short and they spent like half of it on fire emblem heroes Mm -hmm. what was the thing that you took out of it and enjoyed the most definitely fire emblem echoes like i enjoy playing the 3ds games because i didn't get to play much fire emblem in the past when it came out on game boy advance i did play Path of Radiance, I didn't quite complete Radiant Dawn, which many of our friends have scolded me on. <laughs> then, you know, I got Awakening like a year after it came out. Right, right. I was I was late to the Awakening party for sure. Yeah. I just en- enjoy playing just normal Fire Emblem games, and this should be an experience. I'm sure they'll probably have like a safe and easier mode for it. Hopefully not just Phoenix mode, which, you know, that why they even have that in Fates. <laughs> right, right. But, yeah, if, if they have, like, permadeath off mode, but everything else is classic Fire Emblem, like, I don't even mind the durability on weapons thing. Hmm, yeah. But, yeah, I'm sure it'll be fun. Definitely. No, it, it was a good direct, and it was nice to see 
a solid Nintendo Direct, even if it's just you know based on a certain subset of games. But you know, coming off of that Switch Direct and or Switch event, not even a Direct, but yeah, it was it was an interesting comparison between the two, and it just shows like the strict, very specific pacing of a Direct and what that can do for delivering news adequately. Yeah. Also, interesting choice making Yuri Lowenthal the narrator of the direct. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, when he first started speaking, it didn't totally sound like a Yuri Lowenthal sort of voice. It almost and more then sounded... it just says, narrator, Yuri Lowenthal. Yeah, yeah, so that was good. It, it almost sounded like uh, my friend Phil, who does the art for this show. And uh, mm-hmm. it definitely sounded like his speaking voice for what it's worth. Well, Zero Ranma, people can find you on Twitter at Zero Ranma. Yep. Really, thank you again for, for joining. I know you've... It's been great to have you participating and especially in these early times of the show, but really, really great to have your opinion. Yeah, it's not a problem. Really appreciate your time. Thank you for calling in. Yeah, no problem. And over in Alaska, DQP, welcome back to the Power Switch. Thank you for having me once again. Yeah, good to have you. What's on your mind? So, um, I, I missed the Fire Emblem Direct. On the bus home, I actually Googled Fire Emblem Direct, and that's all I know. So... <laughs> So I'm going to have to do some more research on that. I know that there's a crazy new mobile game and they're remaking Gaiden and eh. But there's something that's been on my mind and I'm going to get to it after I talk about gaming resolutions real quickly. Mm -hmm. I actually created a spreadsheet of uh, books and games and shows that I really definitively want to finish this year. Kingdom Hearts is on there, like all of it so far. And that scares me because I've never played it before. You'll have fun with it. You just got to get past a couple slow openings for one and two. Uh, we had another caller call in saying, you know, also needs to play Kingdom Hearts. And I told him the same thing. It's a couple slow openings, but it's it's really fun. And if you enjoy convoluted narratives, like that's that's the series for you. Oh, boy. Um, so I, I guess I have that to look forward to in the biggest quote unquote. Souls games. It surprises me because I adore the first Dark Souls, but it's the only Souls game that I've played so far. Maybe it's because uh, the feeling of having to go back to the very beginning to sort of lame stats again. I I mean, that's just a problem with every RPG or Metroidvania is it's difficult to go back and start a new one because then you're way back at the beginning. Right. But, you know, I'm a little bit into Bloodborne. I also want to play through Scholar of the First Sin and Dark Souls 3 and whatever DLC comes out for that this year. I'm replaying through the Mass Effect trilogy. And this is actually going to lead directly into what I mainly wanted to talk about here. I've been replaying through the Mass Effect trilogy for in preparation for Andromeda. I've, I've been planning on doing a big old video about Mass Effect before Andromeda comes out. And Darkrai pointed out that this is like a fan picture, but it was a map comparison between Ocarina of Time, The Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, and Breath of the Wild with Skyrim sort of thrown in there as a fun comparison. I did see and, that getting passed around today. That was that was interesting. And I, I'm sure it's not real at all. But <laughs> compared to Mass Effect 2, which I'm playing right now at the moment, It brought up an interesting question, and that is the conundrum of companies flaunting map sizes rather than flaunting content. Yes. Because I think that, I don't know if you guys have discussed this on the Power Switch at all so far. It's something that has been on my mind a lot lately, because Mass Effect 2, for as much as I love it, has a lot of busy work going from place to place and scanning planet to planet and just digging for all those resources. It, it feels like a chore when you're not actually in a mission doing something. And my fear is that Breath of the Wild could turn out to be the same thing mm. or Mass Effect Andromeda could turn out to be the same thing. If we focus too much on how big the map is and less on what's in this map, and I feel like we saw the nadir of this when uh, No Man's Sky came out. Right. Because they were advertising, oh, you have this universe-sized map, and you can go anywhere in this gigantic world. And it came out, and there was not a whole lot to do. I feel like the most interesting comparison to that would have been Mankind Divided, the new Deus Ex game. 
which had a very small hub world, but there was tons of stuff to do in it. And that made it feel a bit more alive. So Dark is commenting in podcast chat, Breath of the Wild is going to live or die based on how dense its world is. Absolutely. It's something I've seen company after company and developer after developer uh, flaunt about their game. Our city is three times the size of the last one, and that's not necessarily a good thing, I've found. So, so that's just a random thought that I wanted to bring up. It's a good topic discussion, and it's something I actually discussed on another podcast. It was Millennial Gaming Speak, and we've had the co-hosts Logan and Max on the show already. And So do check that out. It's episode 76 of their show. It had a really great time. It was coming off of a Nintendo Switch chat and all that stuff. But we ended up talking about Breath of the Wild and the idea of its, its big map. And when you compare it to other games like The Witcher 3 and like The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim where they talk about these big maps, but yeah, you have you know quests and some collectibles here. I think my argument that I'd like to put forth is that, of course, you know Zelda's going to live or die based on it, the density of its world, but Zelda has something that the other two, being a Witcher and Skyrim, that they don't. It's the puzzle solving. If you have the element of the puzzle solving and you have that fill out the world, that's something that Zelda can offer that really these other big and open worlds, quote unquote, that they don't really offer. And yeah, they can still have the collectibles. And of course, when you have things like uh, in Breath of the Wild, they're going to have your weapons have the durability. So you have to keep picking up new weapons. You have to pick up new food to craft and to cook and give yourself new health. So there'll be lots of things to pick up and you know, I'm sure different collectibles throughout the world. But it's also that element of puzzle solving that I think is going to help flesh out the world at least optimistically speaking. If you're making a huge world, you either have to have a large amount of content for it, which is actually something that Witcher 3 did pretty well, Mm -hmm. or you have to make the world fun to discover and fun to travel through, which is kind of what helps Burnout Paradise say, get away with it. There's a fine line that Breath of the Wild is going to have to walk, and I think it'll walk it pretty well, where there's a fine line between open world and really elaborate mission select system. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like, like you know what I, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Like you you pop open like Mafia 3 or Assassin's Creed 2 and you pop open your map and it looks like somebody just spat all over it. And <laughs> definitely and, and, definitely and, a big Ubisoft problem. I'm going through uh, Watch Dogs 2 right now and it's it's the same way. <laughs> oh boy. But that's really it is your world ceases to become fascinating to explore. And becomes more of a sort of boring menu system for just picking missions. Yeah, going point to point. Yeah. Instead of just tilting your control stick down and choosing a mission, you're basically just hopping in a car and going there. And that's that's a hassle. Or worst case scenario, fast traveling to the nearest point that you can and then going to the point. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's it's just something that's been on my mind, and it's a discussion that more developers are going to need to have. And I think, again, the ideal example is something like Deus Ex, the newest one, where you just have this small-ish hub world that has a lot of interesting nooks and crannies, has a lot of interesting things in it, but is also small enough that exploring it doesn't feel like it's going to take days or hours or something. That'll be really something to keep an eye on for Breath of the Wild and you know, judging by when they're talking about like, oh, the 1% sort of size for the Great Plateau, and there seems to be just, you know, lots of possibilities. I'm, I'm optimistic for how that game will handle it, especially with all the puzzle solving. But yeah, that's it's really going to depend on the game's success. And yeah, we can't just keep making worlds bigger and bigger and bigger if you're just going to spread everything out. Well, we've already reached, like we've gotten to the point where our worlds can't get much bigger because our game's world, our net worlds are now literally the universe. Right, so right. Do- where do we go from there? <laughs> I know? mean, I mean, Ubisoft's the crew thought it was a big deal that oh, drive across the United States, and then Sean Murray's like, universe, the universe, <laughs> and neither of them turned out to be that interesting anyway. Exactly. I didn't really have a whole lot to say. I just that's just something that's been on my mind. No, it was, it was great. Really appreciate hearing it. People can find you on uh, you know YouTube you- at Super DQP. You're on Twitter at DQP seven four two. 
Mm -hmm. If you have three hours and you want to binge something, I just released the supercut of the Favorite Games Project, which is actually... It's a generic top 10 favorite games list, but I felt like instead of just doing a regular half-hour video on it, I would spend a good chunk of time on each game, and it ended up being like three hours total. So if you want to binge all of that, by all means, if you're crazy, just go to that YouTube channel. I'm at SuperDQP. You can find me on Twitter also at SuperDQP. I don't stream very often, but when I do, I'm at DQP742. And you can also like me on Facebook at SuperDQP and find me on Steam Curators at Refrigerator Reviews. That's a mouthful, but yeah. Great stuff. Really right. appreciate it. It was great to have you on the pilot episode of the Power Switch, but good to have you on an actual episode as well. All right. Awesome sauce. All right. Take See care. See you later. All right. When we come back, I'll give you an update on what I've been playing, but also how did I do for my gaming resolutions for 2016? Uh, it was a little hairy, but we'll talk about it when we come back here on the Power Switch. Welcome back to the Power Switch. Wanted to give you guys an update on, uh, I was playing Watch Dogs 2 last week and I told you about how I got to this point where I was really stuck on this mission where I, I got to this point where I was driving a car and couldn't handle driving it in Watch Dogs 2 and it was an early mission and it really got to me and it hit this sticking point. And I'm like, well, clearly other people have played this game and they've beaten this game, so they got past it. So what did I do? I waited about a week I tried it again, and I'm like, well, let's try instead of sticking to the roads and running into trees and these other immovable objects that are keeping me locked down and the cops are swarming on me and helicopters are finding me easily on the lit streets, let's go off the grid. Let's go drive into the woods a little bit. Let's try to hide in a bush a little bit here, and then you have this laying down mechanic, so you kind of lay down in the car. Had this helicopter circling me for about a minute or so as my uh, escaping meter was kind of running out, J just circling this car that's standing still. And you know, good old AI just say, oh, well, no, he must have disappeared. He, uh, he's, uh, he's not here, we're, we're gonna go, bye. And all right, I, I, I beat that mission I was stuck on, but really continued it, really enjoying Watch Dogs 2. Just it's a it's a lot better from what I could tell from Watch Dogs One, the first one, and uh, yeah, yeah, really having a great time with it. About 12, 13 hours in, I just finished. For those that have played it, I finished the uh, the robots and the the safe home. I kind of finished that uh that main mission, kind of blew the doors off of off of that. So that's a lot of fun. Really getting into it and enjoying that one for sure. I wanted to talk about my gaming resolutions from 2016. I talked about the games I want to play this year, but what did I do about the games from last year? I uh, had some successes, but some not so successes. So let's talk about it. I had number five, Bastion. Really had a great time with Bastion. Played it on Vita. And I, I got a point where like I started a little bit and, okay, take a break, and then come back a couple days later. Just played the rest of it, really got into it, had a great time with it. Bastion's one of those great games, and gosh, it's almost like on every platform now. You really should play it. does not take too long. Maybe it's like a four or five hour game, something like that. It, it was a really great time. Definitely play Bastion. Number four, Final Fantasy VII. Uh, I had the mistake of playing the PlayStation Vita version. Figured I was traveling, I'd be on an airplane. It's using the PlayStation 1 sort of file to play the game and it's slow and I didn't much care for it but I have the PlayStation 4 version I have access to it on Steam as well either one of those I really should get back to it and try again I didn't get too far I finished the opening mission and kind of that lull in between like right after the opening mission like talk to this girl it's like oh well that's I know that's Yuffie but they're not going to tell me that's Yuffie but okay so I'm, I'm not too far into it. I can easily start a new save file on a you know newer machine like PS4 or PC that can just move that along quicker. Number three was Bayonetta 2. And I know they're not long games per se, but playing the Bayonetta games, obviously great music, gorgeous visuals, fun action visually, 
but I didn't have much fun with the gameplay. And that's, I think that's more a personal taste because yeah, they're, they're great games and that no one can deny that. But it's something that stuck with me with Devil May Cry as well. And that's, you know, and it's Kamiya. Uh, so like his action, like, I guess just doesn't click with me totally. I should watch, you know, more sort of let's plays for story or something like that. Or maybe someone's made a movie cut of those games. Cause I was, I was playing Bayonetta the first one to obviously get into two, but it really didn't click with me. I tried to go back to it several times. And it's just like, it didn't really stick. Number two was the Witcher three wild hunt. And I'm done making excuses with that game. Cause that is the next game I'm playing after watchdogs Two. hopefully fitting that in before the gosh, the slog of horizon and, <laughs> Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild and Mass Effect Andromeda and Persona 5 and those are going to be back to back to back. That's going to be pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, I'm going to put in Witcher 3 The Wild Hunt after I'm done with Watch Dogs 2 because now I have a, a good PC and like I'm, I'm done with the excuses. Like All the patches are out. I can play on ultra settings. Like I can fully experience it. For those that don't know, I played the, the first area of the world for like six hours trying to just do everything in that. This was you know at launch of the game on PS4 and it was just like, well, this, this big patch is coming out. I probably should wait for that. And that just kept pushing it off and off. So I'm not going to put it in this year's list because I'm obviously going to get to it. Uh, but yeah, definitely did not really get to it in 2016. But number one for 2016 was Chrono Trigger. And I really did get to that. I beat that game, really enjoyed it. That's definitely one of the seminal all-time games. It's, it did so many great things back in this time. And it was nice to play the DS version, which people said was the best one. And that's that was really fitting. So really, really glad I played Chrono Trigger. That was, that was a great one where it's like, how did I miss that game? But I'm going to beat it this year. And so I did and I focused on it and got to it. And now I have that appreciation. Like I understand the story. I understand the characters. And it's not just a... Oh, I know of it from YouTube or something like that. Like it, the the direct experience, and like I think that's something that is really worth it when you're trying to get into these gaming resolutions. Is trying to enrich your experience of something that may have passed you by before. Anyway, enough rambling from me. That'll do it for this episode of the Power Switch. We are hosted by RhymesWithAsia.com, and we are on YouTube and Twitch at RhymesWithAsia. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the Power Switch. You can email us any questions, concerns, comments, or opportunities at powerswitchpod at gmail.com. But most importantly, to participate in future episodes, you should join our community on Discord by visiting rhymeswithasia.com slash call. It's a small but growing community, and in these early months of the show, it'll be easier than ever to have your voice heard on this podcast. So here's something interesting. I will be traveling for an extended period of time soon for work. So while I would like to record an episode this weekend, it may be complicated with timing and having a mobile equipment solution. So stay tuned to the Discord channel as that develops. Regardless whether it's live or on your own time, I look forward to you joining us for our next episode. With that, I'm Peter Spasia. Until next time, switch up, call in, game on.